Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Um, Don is actually in Italy, so I'm joined by one of our guest hosts, Zach Shuttler. Zach, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, but I'm not in Italy. I'm in Ohio, so <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the same. It probably is. It's, prob- it's probably really warm where you are, right? Not bad today. You know, Jamal, we, um, we talk about Ohio weather. Six Mm -hmm. days ago, there was six or seven inches of snow on the ground. Today, it's 70 degrees and sunny. So March is a wild card month here in in the Midwest. You say 70 degrees today? 70 degrees today, Jamal. Um, Wow. And I thought that's very, very stark difference from six days ago. Oh, man. I thought it was cold up here in Florida, man. We're down here in Florida. It was solid 82 today. I almost put on a sweater. But I didn't, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even bother because the sun was out and I was really hot today. Um, well, I, I remember when you came and visited me in September, late September, you, di- you didn't have the appropriate uh, gear to survive um, a cold evening outside watching a football game with my brothers. I, I did. I just thought I was going to be able to tough it out. But the, uh, the goosebumps were definitely bigger than my biceps. And I think, I think that was a brisk, like 55 degrees that day too in Ohio. It, yeah, it was definitely brisk. I went, I went to the car and grabbed my sweater that, that I said I didn't need. And uh, <laughs> we got it together. Um, anyway, anyway, um, let's, let's kind of jump straight into it. Today, we're talking about the impact of leadership coaching um, on a school environment. Um, we, do you want to kick us off with uh, our topic today? Absolutely, Jamal. So, I think it was a few months ago, we talked about a research study that took place at the high school where I'm an administrator. And we looked at some of the background knowledge of of leadership coaching and how it works in other industries and the impact that it can have. Mm-hmm. And then then we discussed that in teaching, it's it's really not looked at as something that's necessary. And it's definitely not looked at something that's favorable. So as a former teacher yourself, if your administrator comes to you, Jamal, and says, hey, I want to offer you some coaching. What, uh, what are some things that immediately come to mind? First, the first thing that will probably come to mind is what did I do wrong? Um, wh- why do I need coaching? I thought I was doing pretty good. Um, it's, it's never associated with anything that um, is positive, especially in a school setting. I think you're spot on. I think most educators would feel the same way when they've heard the term coaching. And that's not their fault. We've just not cultivated a culture um, within our industry where coaching is something that is sought out, where coaching is something that's favorable. If we look at other industries, if we look at the top CEOs, the top executives, they have executive coaches, they have leadership coaches. I think one of your favorite stories you like to share is about Tiger Woods. Um, Does Tiger Woods have a coach? Tiger Woods was the number one golfer in the world at various points in different stretches. And Tiger Woods had a coach um, that was, he had someone that was able to tell him multiple coaches that were able to tell him your backswing is jacked up. Your front swing is jacked up and here's what you need to do to improve. Absolutely. So this is a topic that I really became super interested in. Um, I read a book about, five or six years ago, maybe even a a little bit longer by Pete Carroll called Win Forever. Okay. And in that book, I was amazed. And I was not a Pete Carroll, you know, huge fan. I'm a Steeler fan, not a Seahawk or USC fan. But I heard that this book had a lot of insight about 
leadership and coaching. And I was amazed by the level of coaching that he provides his coaches. Right. One thing, that, one thing in the book that stood out to me, you played football at Murray State, Jamal. You guys probably watched a lot of film, right? Every day. Absolutely. Every day. Well, Pete Carroll, he videos his coaches coaching and they watch themselves coach to see how they interact with the players. Because huh. it's one it's one thing to say like, hey, your body language isn't good. It's one thing to say, hey, you're easily frustrated when you're working with the linebackers. It's another thing to tell somebody that and then be able to show them that. Huh. And they also employed like a mental strength coach, not the not the strength coaches you see on the sideline that are wearing golf shirts that are a little bit snug on them jumping up and down um, <laughs> a mental strength coach and a, uh, a gentleman by, with the last name Gervais and he would work with the players on mindset he would work with the players on how to handle a stressful environment he would mm -hmm. work with the players on how to stay calm when everything around them was chaotic Right. So the so the Seahawks and they had a ton of success over the last ten or fifteen years. They were one of the first teams to bring coaching the coaches and coaching the players on mindset to the NFL, which I think a lot of people would agree is probably one of the more ego driven professions in the world. Um, so if one of the most ego driven professions in the world with NFL coaches and NFL players is practicing executive coaching and mindset training then why aren't we as educators? Um, if it's important to stay calm in front of 75,000 people in a stadium during a two minute drill, isn't it just as important to stay calm in a classroom with 30 eyes on you for 184 days during a school year? Um, yeah. But it's not common. I can tell you it's not common in Ohio. I don't know, is it common in Florida? Coaching uh, teachers? No. no, it's it's, it's not. Um, when, you, when you look at, you know, the the coaching model um mainly you know it's, it's interesting you know uh i think uh, nation nationwide we do have what we call instructional coaches typically those instructional coaches are have two different functions at a school they they are they're either um an additional administrator so they you know they process tardies and do referrals and all that stuff or they work with the low performing teachers or only the new teachers, um, the people that we think need coaching, whereas the veteran teachers, we don't feel like, oh, we don't <clears throat> provide resources to give them the coaching that they need to improve. And, and I'll go back to my example with the Seahawks. Um, they already have a quarterback coach. They already have an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They didn't need somebody to work with them on the content. They needed somebody to work with them on the mental and leadership aspect of the game. Throughout my career, which has spanned close to 20 years right now, 15 or so in administration, I've not come across many people that aren't competent in their content area. I've come across numerous people that struggle with the mental side of education. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, str that struggle with the relationship side of education, that struggle with the leadership aspect of education, that don't see themselves as a leader of a team right. when they're in the classroom. And I mean, just say that out loud. You have 25 eyes glued on you, right. and you're not really viewing that as your team. Hmm. It's, not it's not 25 individuals in the classroom when you're up on stage for 20 or 45 minutes. Right. That, that's your team. There's 25 people with individual skills 
individual interests, unique talents that right. can be cultivated, whether you're on the football field or whether you're in a math class. And if that person leading that team doesn't view themselves as a coach, doesn't feel that view themselves as a leader, you're never going to get maximum, maximum accountability out of anybody in the room. So right. instead of leaving that to chance, and I think we're all guilty of it because there's not the resources, um, the mentor system, at least I can say in Ohio is broken. Mm -hmm. but it's hard for me to say it was broken when it was never, never right to begin with. Um, you need multiple mentors. You can't necessarily assign somebody a mentor. You need a program where they can find somebody that they connect mm -hmm. with. You need to find real coaching opportunities. The best mentor isn't just the most senior person in the organization. That's not how mentorship works. Right. It's not how that's not how mentorship works in real life. You don't just meet somebody and say, "Hey, Jamal, will you be my mentor?" No. <laughs> like we're put in situations sometimes intentionally where you get to know people's personality. You get to know if they're a good fit for you and you get to learn from a variety of people in a right. variety of different circumstances. And that's what I really want to bring to education. Right. I mean, if, if my legacy in education is anything, even if it's in my little tiny, tiny little section here in Ohio, mm -hmm. I'd like to be, be somebody that can show with data that coaching, leadership coaching, mental coaching can have a tremendous and significant impact on teachers, on educators, and then in the process have a dramatic influence on our students. So I, I heard you say something and I really want you to double down and explain to our audience um, just the significance of the coaching the individual to be a better person and how you feel that impacts the classroom. Yeah, one of my uh, favorite quotes is from an author, Ryan Holiday, who wrote, Ego is the Enemy and the Obstacle is the Way. And he talks about that when you try to improve the personal, you're always going to improve as a professional, but not necessarily the other way around. So if we focus on becoming a better person. If we focus on becoming a better leader, we are going to improve in whatever our chosen field is. If we just simply focus on, like you talked about instructional coaches, if we just talk about and learn about knowing the content standards that doesn't necessarily if at all make us a better person or a better leader we just know the content standards better um, mm -hmm. almost everything almost everything's relationship based like the old saying is that all all things being equal people do business with those that they like all mm -hmm. things not being equal they still do business with people they like that's that's true with students and to try to create that environment where coaching isn't just something that is dictated to you coaching is something that is a common practice that from very early on in the teaching career even in the teach prep teacher prep programs mm -hmm. the mental side the leadership side is as important if not more important than the content side i think that's when we'll really have a transformational teaching force Okay. So, so then, so then what were, what were some of the things that you were able to observe um, through the process of um, having your teachers go through this? So like, how did it start? And then what, what did the middle look like? And then what did it look like at the end? Great. Um, great setup, Jamal. Um, well, I'm working on my doctoral um, degree at mm -hmm. the University of Finley. And you know, this is something that I've always been very interested in in my career. This just gave me the, the opportunity to understand how to gather the data 
-hmm. So what we what we did is we took a um, a treatment group or a random sample of teachers at a at a rural high school. Um, mm -hmm. Seven teachers, one from each content area, and they received ten weeks of transformational leadership coaching. And you were very involved because you were my coach, and you were the one who spent 10 weeks with them, worked with them on their leadership skills, worked with them on the mental side, worked with them on um, really bringing out the best in themselves and bringing out the best in others. So they go through that 10 week coaching program. You did. Um, let me, did, let me, let me just ahead. let everyone know what the, the 10 weeks consisted of just to give an idea and then go ahead and finish. So the, the first the first meeting was a get to know you session. We did an overview of the program. We set some goals um, and we did some introduction activities and we looked at a leadership overview and that was just the, the leadership continuum. Um, we previewed that a little bit and that was um, in person. And then the, the second session, we went over the complete leadership continuum from transformational to laissez faire or you know you can say that reverse <clears throat> um and then we looked at problem solving um upstream thinking versus downstream thinking uh we looked at three barriers to problem solving problem blindness a lack of ownership and tunneling and then from there um it was a it was a do out uh an action item problem solving and action identify one problem at your school and provide two solutions um it can be for a group or uh an individual and we we talked through that the next one was um looking at uh <clears throat> the infinite game versus the finite game and uh how this concept determines your influence we looked at building safety in and out of the classroom specifically psychological safety we looked at <clears throat> building belonging in and out of the classroom um we also looked at influence in, in, in and out of the classroom. We, we honed in on leading up, leading down and leading across, leading up is to your supervisor, leading down is to those who are subordinate to you and leading across is to your peers. Um, we looked at intellectual stimulation in and out of the classroom and also individual consideration in and out of the classroom. Uh, go ahead, Zach. You covered just a tremendous amount of material and. We're going to get into your relationships that you develop, but you, you really build up trust with them in that 10 weeks. So that's what we did. And the continuum of leadership that you talk about, mm -hmm. transactional to transformational, you have the initial series of leadership, which would be the bare bones, the basics. You know, laissez-faire is basically the absence of leadership. Contingent rewards are you get a reward or a punishment based on your actions. And management by exception, you call out um, good behavior. And then you get into the transformational aspect where you serve as a model for your for your subordinates that you work to inspire them, you challenge them intellectually, and that you tailor things for them. So what we did is we put that treatment group of teachers, we put them through the 10 weeks of um, leadership coaching. And before the coaching took place, they conducted an interview with you. And every participating teacher in the school took the Gallup Q12 survey. So that gave us our baseline data. Uh -huh. After the 10 weeks, we again conducted the Gallup Q12 score um, survey, which judges the level of engagement. And mm -hmm. what, we, what we found, and I think it's really important to note that this was not done during a normal school year. This was done really 
at the height of the pandemic as far as how it impacted schools. Right. With teachers out, with students out, with sporting events canceled. So this wasn't done during your normal academic year. Also, during the middle of the coaching, I had to step in and um, I took on the role as um, superintendent pro temp for two months. So there were a lot of things going on. But after we, looked, after we looked at the numbers, what we found based on the quantitative data, the 10 weeks of coaching, and I think this is very important to note, mm-hmm. the 10 weeks of leadership coaching provided a protective barrier against the t- deterioration of teacher engagement. So to say that in very plain terms, the control group, the teachers that didn't receive coaching, their <laughs> engagement score dropped significantly. Mm. the teachers that received the 10 weeks of coaching their engagement score stayed basically stable Mm -hmm. so the treatment group stayed stable the control group their engagement deteriorated according to Gallup Mm -hmm. at a significant level okay so in a pandemic induced year where you have a temporary superintendent step in for a couple months in a tough, tough school year, tough school environment, coaching provides a protective barrier in this small study against engagement deterioration. Okay, so so then what were some of the qualitative changes uh, that you saw? I think that's the great thing about a mixed method study, Jamal, is that it tells you a much more comprehensive story. So. Here's what we did. When I say we, I mean me, but uh, you did the coaching, so I always like to say we. I took the transcripts of the first interview and compared them to the second interview, and I coded the teacher's answers based on Bass's full range model of leadership. So everything that a teacher said, I coded it as either laissez faire, contingent reward, or management by exception on the transactional mm-hmm. side. Or I coded as idealized influence, inspirational motivation, intellectual stimulation, or individual consideration on the transformational side. And what we saw in the qualitative data, which I was amazed by this, because when I first saw the quant data and saw that it just provided a protective effect, I was a little bit disappointed. But the more that we studied it, the more that we looked into it, with the 10 weeks of coaching, transactional language drops significantly when the teachers talked about leadership and coaching. Transformational language, especially individual consideration, increases dramatically. So Mm -hmm. to use a specific question, you asked the teachers in the first interview, what were their thoughts on the word coaching? Right. And there were seven comments. And again, this was seven teachers. There were seven comments that basically were laissez-faire to where they didn't even necessarily believe that you know leadership was that relevant there were a couple comments that talked about rewards there were comments that talked about punishments or consequences Mm -hmm. after the 10 weeks of coaching when asked that same question what are your thoughts when you hear the term coaching Mm -hmm. zero Zero comments after the 10 weeks of coaching about laissez-faire or absence of leadership. Zero comments about contingent reward. Zero comments that were coded as management by exception. 
So this is just in 10 weeks, which isn't a long enough time to maybe get sustained um, word and language uses like this. But with 10 weeks of coaching, talking about leadership, talking about executive coaching, talking about mindset, talking about ownership, talking about identifying problems, their responses to almost the same exact question differed significantly. Um, we can look at we can look at some other things too. We can look at the entire the entire interview. When you look at the entire interview, all the questions in their totality. Right. There were twenty five transactional comments in the first interview. Uh-huh. After the ten weeks of coaching, there were two total transactional comments. Okay. So I'm I'm curious I'm curious Zach, so so breaking down the the qualitative data and the qualitative mm-hmm. data was there was there any observational data that you saw that had a positive impact on the learning environment from the teachers and in their practice? Well, uh, when you look at, and this was not one of the questions, but when I looked and I read the transcripts, and I was looking for pertinent information. Um, 71% of the teachers in the treatment group pointed out that after going through the coaching, they realized that it's as important to be a leader for their colleagues just as much as it is for them to be a leader for their students. Okay. And I, I think that was one of the more significant developments when they sat with their colleagues, when they talked with you about leadership models, when they talked to you about mindset, when they talked to you about the impact that you could have in a classroom and in the school a lot of their mindsets, 71% shifted to, I need to lead my peers too. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll give one, actually, I'll, I can probably give multiple examples. One of our teachers, she felt like it was important for our students to be contributors in the community. Mm-hmm. And after going through the coaching class, she started taking um, several students each Thursday to a food pantry to help them load and unload food. And that's something that they weren't doing um, prior to that. Um, one teacher I know has been making consistent phone calls and texts to their colleagues, just especially on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, just really enjoying working with you. Just wanted to let you know that I care about you and that I think you're doing a fantastic job. Um, it's, been, it's been really cool to see those things. Um, I've had two teachers that have really stepped up and wanted to help grow and improve the culture. We started developing something called an engagement team to where we're going to focus on trying to take ownership and solve all those problems and not tunnel and avoid them. And in the last couple of weeks, we've seen that group grow up to about 23, 24 members in a school with about 50 plus employees in the high school. And that team is made up of, I think, like 10 or 11 teachers and four or five administrators and a couple secretaries and our school nurse. And that's been really fun to watch. And what's been really fun to watch is I believe about four out of our seven treatment group members that you coach have taken an active role in being a leader within that engagement team and trying to make our school's culture even better. And uh, that's been fun to watch. And I, I think it did a lot of inspiring. And I think the data, when you combine the quant data and the qual data, it shows that the impact coaching can have is massive. That even during a pandemic, even when we're 
short on subs and short on teachers and some days short on students that the quant data shows that it's a protective barrier. The qualitative data um, really shows that their language changes and how they talk about leadership, how they view coaching and mm -hmm. how they view being a leader within the staff. And, and to me, that's huge as a, as a principal, man, mm -hmm. like you can't have enough positive leaders within a school. Right. And I do want to add um, uh, just a, just this perspective. Number one, um, as a school leader myself, I understand the importance of uh, leadership um, and especially leadership from teachers. There, there are only, there's only so far that our leadership from an administrative role can take us with our staff. Um, because what we commonly hear is, well, that's why you're an administrator. Whenever you have the the teachers that are in the trenches and they their peers view them as practitioners, and they're dealing with the same problems that other teachers are dealing with, and they're solving problems from that room as opposed to um, the seat in the office. Um, we see the the impact, and there's a ton of research on <clears throat> high functioning leadership teams. Um, <clears throat> one of one of the superintendents in my district, he he did a site visit. And he said this to us. Um, he said, you know, there are some schools that are just A schools, um, meaning that it's a, the, the school grade is, is an A or it's a, it's a high performing school, air quotations, but it's just an A school. He says, but what really gets schools to, um, to be high functioning A schools where you're really moving the needle for kids is having a high functioning leadership team that consists of teachers and when you go and peel the research back on all of on all of that you you really see the necessity for teachers to uh, view themselves as leaders and lead across uh, to their peers in moving the needle forward um, not only in academics but in other things like you mentioned the teacher that takes the kids to the food pantries um, building building the capacity of, of the students to be contributing citizens, comes from teacher leadership go ahead and there's a great book by sam walker called the captain class that illustrates that point very well that um, teams sports teams that succeed over periods of years if not like a decade plus one of the main factors is the strength of their captains that a coach can have a huge impact specifically with their captains but to get the team to the next level that captain, the one who's sweating and bleeding with the other players has to be the one to carry that message to the next level. And I think that's true in all organizations. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that I love, I love teaching. I love educators. I love teachers. Um, we want them to keep growing as professionals, mm -hmm. but if we want them to keep growing as professionals, then we as administrators have to put you know, our money where our mouth is and treat them like professionals and get them the support and the leadership coaching and the mental coaching that other professions offer their professionals. Right. Right. Because, it, you know, I think, I think I said this when I, when I came up there and I gave the keynote, humans regulate humans. And, and I gave the example of, you know, my wife was, um, when she, when we had our second child, uh, he was having a fever. And the doctor, instead of giving, um, you know, uh, some medication, she said, just lay, lay him on your chest. 
And we thought the lady was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. She was like, you need to give him some medicine so this fever will go down. And she started to explain to us like the skin-to-skin contact helps, you know, your, your child, like his body will respond to your body and it will regulate his body temperature. She says, if that doesn't work, then we'll go and give medication. Um, and then this year, I think a lot of our conversations and, you know, the conversations that we have within our PLNs, our uh, professional learning networks, now, you know, we have Twitter and different things like that. When we talk through our issues and we talk through our problems and we talk through what we're dealing with from our standpoint, I had a friend who's an administrator at a school in my district. Um, he was telling me that something went south at his school when I said, hey, <laughs> um, that, that same thing happens to me and here's how I deal with it. He says, you know what? I'm, I'm glad that you go through it too. He says, I'm not glad that you go through it. He says, I'm just glad that I'm not the only one that goes through it. And we regulate it with each other. So humans need humans to regulate. And I, and I feel like, <clears throat> you know, from, from the perspective that I had, I gained a lot from coaching the teachers. I learned a lot from them. It was definitely a, a iron sharpening iron uh, effect in when we would talk about some of the things and they would say, this is a problem at my school. And I'll say, well, this is a problem, problem in my school as well. And here's how we approach this. Um, and then they said, well, maybe you should consider this. And we learned a lot from each other. But every Friday, it was a process in which we regulated with one another. You're exactly right. I, I, and you really painted a really beautiful picture in my mind. I, I think back to when we had my son and my daughter. And right after they were born, you know, the nurse laying my son or my daughter on my wife and they talked to her about that skin to skin contact and, and, you know, developing that bond right off the bat. And then it doesn't, it, the method of it changes, but I think about what you're talking about. And I had this conversation with my staff. If you're super anxious, one of the worst things that you can do is find somebody else who's just as anxious as you to be that person to help regulate you. Right. You need to find somebody that is level and can, can take that edge off. And I think sometimes we, as human beings, especially when we get older, we struggle with that. We try to find somebody to match the emotional state that we're in, when in reality, you need to find somebody in the opposite emotional state to kind of bring you back to baseline. Right, right. It's not naive to be positive in a, in a terrible situation. It's leadership. Um, Absolutely. It, it's, you know, in the midst of all of those things, it, it's okay to it's okay to not have a fever when everyone else around you has a, has a fever, and you can help them regulate. Uh, in I guess in, in this in this analogy, but it's extremely important, like you said, for us to find people who are not dealing with the deficit that we're dealing with to pull us out, or who have dealt with it um, to help us regulate to a place to where we can see clearly and move us forward. Zach. <laughs> Jamal, before we go, I want to say, I, 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 want, a, I want to praise you because the thing about social science, it's not the same as, you know, medical science, right. um, you know, medical science, you know, if you put together certain ingredients, you have a medicine that works for most people. Um, you know, you treat broken arms in similar manners, depending on the break. Social science can often only be as effective as the person leading it. So I could draw up a coaching program and it could be fabulous, but it's only successful was that coach has the ability to lead and connect. And there's a quote that I wanted to share that really tells, I think the audience about the job that you did. 
before you coach them, you ask them what their thoughts were on the term coaching. And this teacher said, it is not my favorite term. People do not like hearing it. Would, would you say that probably be a standard answer for a lot of people? Yeah, absolutely. After you coach them, you, you ask them the same question and they were asked their thoughts on coaching. And the teacher stated, night and day, the coaching helped me handle my personal issues too. It helped give me a whole new lease on life. So if I could pick one quote and the difference in the language, it would be that quote. Wow. Somebody that initially stated, I don't like hearing the term coaching. It kind of shuts everything down before it begins to 10 weeks after working with you with working with a coach on leadership and mindset and relationships. It helped them not just in their teaching life, it helped them in their personal life. And I think so often we get that backwards as administrators. We're so worried about the content. We forget that if you make the person better, you're going to make them a better teacher. Well, wow. I, I appreciate that. And um, I'm, I was thrilled and, and fortunate to be a part of the journey with you and definitely looking forward to, to more moments like that. Um, I don't think that there's anything else I have to say. Um, Zach, you want to give us a, a closing thought? My closing thought is as administrators, as educators, if we want the best for our students, we need to invest in the mental aspect and the leadership aspect of our teachers. That's the best way to leverage everyone's talents within a school. Most teachers are very skilled in their content, but we can all, administrators, superintendents, teachers, everyone, continue to work on being a better leader, um, dealing with pressure, dealing with reaching every single person around us in a positive way. And the sooner you get these kind of programs in place, the more open your teachers are to being coached. Well, there it is, everyone. This is Jamal Crook for Zach Shuttler reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. Everywhere. Have a good one.